I just want to share the word, man. Just want to wait for those at the back to come and sit down as well. Um, just want to really allow the Lord to speak this morning. Um, I've been meditating this word for about three, four weeks. And as I was preparing the word yesterday, the Lord told me, I will speak for you. So whatever I've got my notes, I may not follow it. I have to follow whatever is guiding me to do this morning and allow him as well, if possibly, if you allow me to prophesy this morning, depending on what he does. But um, I hope everybody's got a phone here. Your phone, mobile phone. You know, that's a silly question. Everybody's got a mobile phone, you know. So I'm going to ask you to do something, and those are online as well, possibly. Um, if you can, just write on your notes, you know, that section, that little app on your phone, those iPhone or whatever device you, you have, um, just to write something at the beginning, and hopefully we will have the time potentially to pray uh, after the service. As I was meant to bring some, uh, some poster notes, but I think I completely forgot them at home. So we're going to use mobile technology this morning. So if you have your mobile and those online as well, possibly can. I just want to write something on, on, the, on, on this. I just want to write, what is the will of God for your life? If you don't know, just put a question mark. Oh, my wife is so amazing. She brought those, those notes here. As, as a matter of fact, I may ask you to write it because I want you to keep this uh, for later on when you remember Write it, if you can, on your phone, and then potentially later on, write on your post notes as well, if you can. What is the will of God for my life? And even those at the back, uh, Julien, Jesse as well, write down what is the will of God for my life. That's going to be the title of our word this morning, the will of God, the will of God. So if you don't know what the will of God is for your life, Please don't feel like this is not a tricky question. Just put a question mark. And uh, hopefully over the, this year, maybe next year, even later on as we pray, you may have a revelation. So this posting note that I'm giving you is for you to keep it with you at all times. So as you get revelation about the will of God, then you can write underneath what you believe the will of God is for your life. So what the will of God is. Now, there's a couple of days ago, um, I was listening on the radio, um, this la a lady was talking, a very eloquent lady as well, and she was mentioning that there's been a great decline in this country, I'm not talking about the world, but in this country, a great decline in people believing in God. Um, as a matter of fact, there are a bit of a, um, figures here. In 2022, and I read this for you, People in the UK are less likely to believe in God than the people of almost any other country in the world. So when we're talking about the UK, we are here in this country, we are one of the countries who believe the less in God in that sense. As a matter of fact, um, they say that in 1991, they three-quarters of the survey UK adults say they believe in God, three-quarters compared with just under 49% in 2022. And there's only five countries that had a lower percentage of believing God. China, 17%. Sweden, 35%. Japan, 39%. South Korea, 41%. And Norway, 46%. It is incredible when you think about it that this country actually was built on God's principles. When you look at the 
laws of the parliament. When you look at the monarch, everything was built on God's principles. And today, and that was a study that's been coming, uh, just received about last week. They done this study last year, less than 49%. And there's only a five country which is actually lower than us. This is amazing. And I think that, I believe that we've got a lot of ground to do uh, over the next few years to try to reverse what is going on here. Now, we know that the United Kingdom is a monarchy formerly led by a ruler who also governed the official church, the Church of England. But to know that when we look today, this country doesn't believe in God, that is staggering. As a matter of fact, which is a very interesting as well, some of the statistics that they mentioned, they are mentioned, and actually, people that believe more in heaven and hell than believing in God, which is weird when you think about it. You know, you don't believe in God, but you believe that there is a hell and there is a heaven. And most people, if you ask it on your street, where do you think you're going when you die? Most of them they will tell you, well, I am a good person. I don't kill. I don't steal. I don't do this. I don't do that. So they made this assumption based on the Ten Commandments that they will actually end up in heaven. They are a good person. And, and I think for us as believers... And I will say as pastors, leaders of the church as well, we really need to, to begin to change the narrative as we speak to people about the kingdom of God. You know, you find out that most, a lot of our churches here focus a lot of blessings, you know, what you can get from God. They focus a lot on prosperity as well. But I think what we need to understand is that as i've been sharing over the last few months and the last couple of years about the return of jesus the important for us to be prepared be in position when it comes and in order to do that we need to understand the will of god in that sense so when we think about people not believing in god there's so many reasons i mean i can name it there's one reason ignorance and a lot of people don't know anything about god you know, I've been a Christian for 20 years now, roughly 20 years. But before that, I didn't know anything about God. I have a notion where God was. And like those people that I mentioned, I thought that I was going to heaven. Just based on me being kind of good. I mean, I wasn't brilliant in those days. But I thought I was okay. You know, I thought I didn't kill anyone. So, you know, probably go to heaven. Or I didn't, well, I did do something but we're not going to share that this morning but anyway my point is that many of us still believe and even christian today we believe that we measure ourselves a lot about what we do right what we do wrong that we make us going to heaven there's another thing that make people not going not believing in god in that sense is the fact the cultural change and social change you know diversity is a big 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 topic these days i mean you're working in companies and the amount of messages and um you know things that we're doing for diversity so we started first of all with integration of minority ethnic minority as we said and it's got to move us slowly into um transgenders and homosexual and, and so on and now you're looking in a society we have to be tolerant of diverse in that sense to the point that even the Church of England is changing the narrative of the Word of God. Something's not right. And then the Lord has said to morning, he said, I'm going to speak for you. And as I'm speaking, I'm just going to speak what he says. And I'm telling you, this is not right. 
the fact that some of our leaders in the church can come, look at the Bible, and use the word God is love because God God loves everyone. So whether in that sense we can tolerate homosexuality in our churches to a certain degree. But what all the Bible said about homosexuality, they don't mention this. They don't mention that homosexuality is a sin. But then if you go and say that to people, these days you get arrested. You can't go in your workplace and telling him this person, obviously you're not going to say, you're going to hell. You know, you can't say things like that. But you can't also say to people because of his um, sexual orientation in that sense, that basically that's not right. My daughter's got friends who, you know, are gay in that sense. How do you relate to them without being upset or without being saying a word which they don't want to hear? Because the truth is, the matter is, it is a sin. You know, I always say we call it a spade a spade or whatever, but in France, that's what we said. We call it a spade a spade a spade. You can't call a strawberry an orange. You can't call a banana an orange. An orange is an orange. A banana is a banana. And if God say that sexual immorality includes homosexuality, then the word of God says this. But then the church of England and many leaders will come and say, actually, God said this back in the days, but it's not relevant to our society today because our society has changed. So because our society has changed, we also need to change. But what do we say about the word of God? The word of God is unmovable. The word of God doesn't change. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why are we actually now changing the word of God to adapt to the society? The society is free to change because the society doesn't believe in God. So they can do whatever they want. But when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to believers, we have to adhere to what the word of God is saying. We cannot change the word of God because we want to please someone else. We can't do that. And it's wrong. And I'm saying this, it is wrong. So for the past three weeks, the Lord impressed in my heart to seek out his will. I believe seeking God's will for our life is somehow connected to this country. Once we begin to seek God's way for our life, we'll begin to see the change in this country. We know what the enemy is after. His agenda is clear, and we can see it before our eyes. It's to pollute the word of God. And he will do anything, any hour, any situation to do it. For him, Race is irrelevant. Gender is irrelevant for him. All he's concerned about is to make sure that the word of God is polluted so we misunderstand it. Because when you think about, about the word of God, a lot of the reason we're having so many problems is a misunderstanding of the word of God. There are many believers that read the word, but they misunderstand the word or they quote the word not in the right way. So, I'll give you an example. You are in a very precarious situation. And the word of God said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me. So, you're struggling financially and you can't find any way to do it. So, because you think that you can do all things through Christ who strengthen me, you go and run the bank. Is that what the word of God says? 
That's what I'm talking about. The misinterpretation of the word of God. But then you will have, you will have somebody who will use that word to just be able to justify the actions. It is important for us that we understand what the word of God is and his will for our life. The enemy wants to pull it on mind. He's got such a great agenda. And he started from the beginning, from Adam and Eve. The pollution started from there. God's created everything perfect. As he said, it is good. Every time he finishes there, he looks at his creation and he says, it is good. And then he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and gave him a job. Look after the earth. Look after my creation. Multiply. Be blessed. I mean, what? You're going to work. It's like going to a workplace and they tell you, this is all yours. I'll pay you and just write the check. Whatever money you want, I'll write it. Not a monthly salary of whatever you want, I give it to you. Everything is. They have everything. But Satan knew that. He knew if he can pollute the word, if he can pollute the word that God has spoken to Adam and Eve, he can change it. And this is what he does. He polluted by the word. If there was no action in Satan. He was on the tree waiting for Eve to come. And when Eve came, obviously he observed her. We don't know how many years or centuries he's been observing Eve, looking at that tree, looking at that tree, looking at that tree. And I can imagine being with her husband, enjoying time together. There's no children here. Enjoying the time. I said really enjoying the time together. Enjoying the garden. And then even God said, you can eat everything that's here. But that tree over there, if you eat it, there's going to be some terrible consequences for you. And that exactly, that tree that she was looking at. Do you know, you to, we all have children here. Don't touch this. Don't do this. And the things that we ask them to do, that's exactly the thing that they're going for. It is a human nature. But God knew that. And I used to ask this question. I was speaking to the Lord and I said, Lord, if you knew that Eve was going to see that she was, she was going to be tempted, why did you actually put that tree there in the middle? Why did you actually put that tree there? And I think the reason he did is because of choice. God doesn't want us to be robots. He doesn't look for robots. He looks for people who actually willingly will come to him and execute his will. The will of God is very, very, very important. But it has to be our choice. So, Satan deceived Eve by his word. And we see it today again. The deception through the word. Mental. And God speaks. Did God not say that you could not have this? She said, yes, God said I can't have this. No, God said that if you have this, if you don't have this, your eyes will be open and you will have wisdom and revelation and understanding. And he had this on the top of it, that little nugget, you will be like God. Is that not what Satan wanted? Satan, deception, and fall was based on the fact that he wanted to be like God. That's what it is. 
when you look those politicians and those leaders and those businessmen, billionaires, and, and so on, there's one thing that they are seeking after is power. Power. And that's exactly what Satan was seeking. Seeking power of God. He wanted to be equal to God, even he was a created being. And up to today, people still believe that Satan is equal to God. Let me tell you, he's not equal to God at all. He's a created being, an angel, an archangel that fell off his cliff because he think he was too good. That's what Satan is. I was reading an article yesterday, and there was a big conference taking place, a satanic conference. So now you have this conference all over the world when people are gathered together to worship Satan. To worship, yeah, to worship Satan. It is incredible to see how far we are falling from the ways of the Lord. It took only roughly about 50 years. I know this because in 50 years ago, our value system in this country were very different to the value system of today. I said it. England was built on Christian principles. But when you look at today, it's all gone. It's all gone. We have a new king. And I'm not going to mention much about it. But he has a different perspective on religion. The queen had a perspective on Christianity. But his son has a very, very different perspective on it. He wants to unite all faith into one. Whether you're a Muslim, an Hindu, a Christian, a Buddhist, whatever religion it is, he wants one religion under one banner. It is what the world is looking. Because they want to change the way the world looks now. They want to be able to integrate everyone into one world. Which reminds me of an interesting story of Babel. You know, we're talking about the Tower of Babel, but what was the Tower of Babel? It was the unification of races into one. To do their own thing. To be able to govern themselves. Without God saying anything. I even go deeper to the fact that Nimrod, who was the leader at the time, was the great, 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 great grandson of Noah. And this generation that came after the flood, many of them were disgruntled and were upset against God because God destroyed the whole world. So they decided, we don't need God anymore. We're going to create our own society. We want to build our own tower that's going to reach it to the sky. And we want to declare to God that we are our own people. Have we not heard that today? Do we not hear that today? The message that's going through the society is, we are one. We are one. We are our own people. But when they're saying this, it means that we are one because we are taking every diversity, every race, every religion, every people from different background, different gender, different sexual orientation into one world. Where's God in this? There's no God. If you make one religion, all religion into one, where's Jesus? He's not there. And that's where the world is going. But God has chosen us to be light of the world and salt of the earth. So we can still share the word of God. 
You know, the world may be confused about where they are, what they're doing, their identity. But we should know that our identity is in Christ. And because we know that our identity is in Christ, we cannot share that word. I read this. We have been separated unto him. We are a royal priesthood on this earth. We are representative of God on this earth. We are called to do his will. And that's what we need to do. We need to look after God's will. What is God's will in your life? What is God's will in my life? Romans 12, 1, 2. And I'm going to read the New Kingdom's version as well, the NIV and the NLT. The New Kingdom's version says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The NIV says this, Therefore, I urge you, brother and sister, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your truth and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. You know, when we're talking about worship, we think that this is, oh, Lord, I love you, Lord. It's not. That's a praise. That's a part of it. Our worship is our lifestyle. It's how we live your life to God. And that's what he says here. This is your true and proper worship, living sacrifice. We're coming to church on a Sunday. We clap our hand. We sing a few songs. And then we go home. And then we go do our life. And then Sunday, next Sunday, we come back. And we start again. And we start again. And we start again, and we start again. But the Bible says that we have to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. So whatever you are, when you are home, as a parent, you have to present yourself as a living sacrifice. When you are work, you have to present yourself as a living sacrifice. When you're on the street, you have to present yourself as a living sacrifice. God has to rebuke me many times. When I used to drive, when I drive to work, I don't do that anymore. And I thank the Lord for his mercy and his grace. But I used to get upset with some of the drivers around me. I used to get very upset. No, I wouldn't voice it. At times I would. But most of the time I wouldn't voice it that much. But in my heart, in my mind, I would concoct some serious plan. You know, what I could have done to that guy. Maybe swerve a little bit. So you go and hit the tree of the... I mean, those are the wicked things. That, you know, if you allow your mind to think, you allow your mind to express yourself, you'll be amazed of the wicked things that come. You know, somebody says something bad to you. You say, okay. And in your mind, you're thinking, do I have a bat in the back of my car? Or do I have this? Or, you know, even believers, between believers, a, a little argument comes and you, <laughs> you smile. And in the side of it, you deserve a proper slap, you know. And that's the truth. But we have to live our life as a living sacrifice. And God has to work with me. Amen. Amen. 
I mean, I don't know if Julien remember or early days. He can nod, Julien, if you do remember. When we came out of the, I was taking Jesse to football, I think. And we came out of the street and someone cut me up, you know, really bad. And I got so upset. I think I was already upset by the time I was leaving the house anyway. You know, I got so upset. I came out of the car and I was ready to hit that guy. The guy came out. You want a piece of me? Do you want a piece of me? And I said, come here, man. Come here. And I was ready. I was ready for it. You know, I was thinking about my taekwondo, you know, or my judo thing that I learned over the years. And I was thinking how I'm going to take him. I'm going to sweep it. And then I'm going to go in the car. And then I realized that I had a check of the Holy Spirit. They said, you're my son. And I said, oh, Lord. So I calmed down. I went into the car. I said, sorry. And she didn't look at me like that. Daddy, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be doing this. You're a Christian. That hit me hard. That hit me hard. And she was about 11, 10, 11 at the time. That hit me hard. That was the realization that whatever we do, people are watching. Whether it's your children, whether it's your people outside, they're all watching. They're all watching. Can you imagine? We go to church and then he turn up with his family, you know. Say, hey, is that you? You. And I'm, imagine if I'm here preaching, Lord love you, you know, you can't do this. And the guy just turn up here. I mean, what kind of testimony is that? What type of testimony is that? So we have to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. The NLT version says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. I love that. All he, what God has done for you. What God has done for me. Everything. But the most important thing is the cross. Is the cross. You know, you can talk about all the blessings and God has done in your life. But there's only one ultimate gift that you can never buy back from him. It's the cross. It's the cross. Let him be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he would find acceptable. He said the kind he would find acceptable. Do you know that you can try to believe that you have a holy living sacrifice and it still doesn't please God? So you got to find out what kind of sacrifice God's require for you and I. It's very important. This is truly the way to worship him. It's the only way. You have to find out, Lord, what it is that I can do for you. What is your will for you? What is your will for you? What is it that you want me to do? What it is? Why am I here? That is the only way to worship God. He said, don't copy the behavior and custom of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's the way. That is the way. Don't copy the behavior and custom of this world. That was written in the book of Romans over 2,000 years ago. And when you look at today and you read that scripture, what are we doing? Are we copying the custom of the world? Are we doing what the world is doing? Even in church, how do we do church? Do we do church the way the world does it? 
Or are we bold enough to do the way God wants us to do it? That is the question for us. I believe for us as believers, the aim is to emulate the way Jesus lived his life. In power and in character. You know, God, Jesus operated in two ways. He operated through his character and he operated through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need both. We need both. It's good to have the character, but in this world, 21st century, the character is not going to take you that far. Because it's so consumed by power, so consumed by money, so consumed by the things of this world, that the only thing that's going to change the mind is the power of the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, we need to consecrate ourselves to God. Jesus spent his time, his time to consecrate himself to him. The Bible speaks of him. He will go and share the word. He will do all this miracle. And then he will go and retreat and spend time with the Father. He was God in the flesh. But still, he was going and spend time with the Father. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. You want to know the will of God for your life? Live the way Jesus lived. Through your character and through the power of God. You want your brothers and sisters to be saved. Those that you think that I'm going to go and talk to him about Jesus. And they're going to look at you and you know that there's no hope. Because your word alone is not enough. You need the power of God. You need a miracle. So if in your family you know somebody is sick. And you go and lay your hand. And we're talking about things like cancer. You lay your hand and the, peop- the, the, the person just healed. Do you think he's, he's going to run straight? How did you do that? It's the power of God. It's only for Jesus I can do that. Who is that Jesus? I want to know that Jesus for my life. And that's how we need to. So today, we need the power of God in our life. And we need the character as well. It's important. That's what God wants for us. Because this word is broken. I walk on the street and, you know, I've been spending a bit of time lately walking in London and all I'm seeing is some people making some makeshift bed on the street, outside Sainsbury's, on the street and sleeping there. Sleeping there. It's difficult. It's tough. The cost of... uh, Reversing cost of living for many people is tough. We thank God's grace for his provision. But there are people that don't have that. There are people that sleep in on the street. Yesterday, even at Gillingham, in the corner, I, showed, I was Alexander, with Alexander, we're walking, I showed him, there's somebody sleeping here. They're meshing beds. What hope do they have if it's not us giving them the hope of Jesus? We need that. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation, whole thing have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's not be conformed to the word of this word. And let's begin to work, work, work to know the will of God for life. I'm going to stop with this. We have 
being made new in Christ because of the work that is required for us in this world. It doesn't matter whether we are 50, 60, 10 years old. God has called us, each one of us. So now I want to do something. If after a while we share this morning, you put something, the will of God for my life. If you know the will of God, write it down next to what you wrote before. Lord, I just want to thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, I just want to ask you this morning this. I want to ask you for your grace, your grace, your revelation, but also, Lord, that you help us to constantly renew our mind for your words. So we can become more and more and more and more like you. Lord, I pray as people, as believers, that we will begin to walk in that plan and that purpose that you have set for us. Lord, help us with the fruit of the Spirit. Help us with your gift and the power of God. So people can truly begin to see you for who you are. I pray for those who have backslided that we are aware of. I pray, Lord, that you would call them back to you, Lord. And Lord, this morning, I thank you so much, so much for being so patient with us, for being so patient with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.